Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Hello, listeners. What I've had on my mind is the Christian idea of the value of human life. The typical Christian argument comes through a number of scriptures, such as God does not desire that any should perish, found in the epistles, or the idea presented in the book of Genesis that humanity is made in the image of God, man and woman alike. And from these premises, they, or we, I guess I could say, claim that humanity in general is of infinite value. In fact, that each individual human soul is of infinite value. And the problem that I have with this argument, well, I have, first of all, just saying I have a problem with this argument. Um, The problem I have with this argument is, first of all, that it is in many ways highly detrimental to the way we live. And secondly, that it's just plain wrong. And by wrong, I don't mean that it's provably wrong entirely without a shadow of a doubt. I mean that it doesn't have any firm basis in scripture in general. The reason why, of course, we have such a tendency to claim that human value is essentially infinite is because we're trying to fight against things like war and particularly abortion and other embryo-based practices in science. And essentially dealing with the human soul, which is of quote-unquote infinite value as if it's a mere plaything or something we can mess with on a petri dish. As far as that's concerned, I agree with the Christian sentiment and the desire to fight against such practices or at least keep them a great deal more sane than they have a tendency to be. But I don't agree with them because I think that humankind is of infinite value. If we actually look into the scriptures about the concept of human value, what we find there is a great deal different. Again, going back to the fact that humanity is, yes, made in the image of God. Sure, yeah, the scripture does say that. And the scripture does also say that God does not desire that any should perish, as I have already quoted. But if we were to take this modern concept of humanity having infinite value and try to foist that onto God, in other words, if we try to believe that God agrees with us, then his behavior certainly does not agree with that perspective. Indeed, my pro- one of the problems that I have with this is its level of pretension. Because if we foist upon God the idea of human infinite value and then look at God's own activities through the course of history, we would consider God a moral monster. We would consider ourselves the God of God. Why? Because if you look through the Old Testament and the New, by the way, in the Old Testament, God is specifically telling Saul, for example, not just to kill men and women among, I believe it was, um, it's not the Amorites. I'm not quite certain. Uh, It's the time that Saul was told to kill basically everything and didn't quite do so. He kept some plunder and he got in trouble for that. Anyways, Um, It might have been the Amorites. But anyway, God specifically tells Saul not just to kill women and children, but to, sorry, men and women, but to kill children and to kill livestock and everything. 
if God agreed with us that humanity is of infinite value, he would never do something like that. And how, of course, could we can we really justify that perspective even in the modern day when we still see that God allows people to be severely disabled, God allows people to be killed by mere circumstance and weather, tectonic plate movements, etc., etc., and just essentially they die almost without reason, without cause, without purpose, without meaning. In like manner, if we look in the New Testament, yes, it is true, again, in the epistles that we read that God does not desire that any should perish. We also read Jesus telling us that if you do not hate mother and father, brother, sister, spouse, and your own life also, for my sake, you cannot be, by, be my disciple. And we read also in the epistles that we should no longer live as if we have father or mother, as if we are married. It shouldn't matter to us. God should matter more. In fact, if you look at it, Christ himself and the epistles following after inspired many and still inspire many today to follow lifestyles that lead to being completely childless. They want to go out and do ministry in order to serve God, so they leave behind having any children or a spouse at all, which, by the way, is a decision that I respect. But if human beings are of infinite value, then, of course, it would be far more useful. It would be far more good. It would do far more good to bring more human souls into the world. It follows from the typical Christian argument against abortion. We should see no thing in the world as more valuable than bringing more human beings onto this earth, especially in Christian homes, if indeed we believe that human beings are of infinite value. Now, there is one scripture in the Gospels spoken by Jesus that specifically points to the value of a human being. What is that scripture? Do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Now, I find that rather funny. Because what Jesus is really saying here is, don't worry, each human being is more valuable than a number of birds that are meant specifically to be taken into the altar of God, taken to the altar of God, torn apart, their blood spewed onto the altar and used as a sacrifice to God. That's how Jesus tells us we have value. Now, on the one hand, yeah, that's really humbling. On the other hand, it's not to say that we are worthless. It's not to say that we're merely to be used, although I think there's a bit more of an argument for that. We are for God's glory in the end, no matter what. His ways succeed in the end. But again, it is not to say that we are nothing, but it's certainly not to say that we have infinite value. Yeah, the same God who says in the book of Genesis that we were made in the image of God is the same God in the form of Jesus Christ who tells us that our value is more than many sparrows. So I don't find that the biblical case for human beings being of infinite value is all that strong. Now, of course, there's going to be a number of Christians listening to this podcast who are going to rise up very quickly against it, viscerally, in fact, because what I am, in fact, doing is tearing apart what they consider an extremely powerful argument for a lot of the most sacred things that we hold dear, 
such as the life of infants, or perhaps the lives of the disabled. But hang on just a moment. Like I said at the beginning, I agree with that desire and I agree with that move. The move that is against treating infants and the disabled as if they are effectively dirt, nothing, discardable. They can be torn apart in a Petri dish. The other issue that I have with the idea that human beings are of infinite value is that it pushes us to an opposite extreme of behavior that is not exemplified by the heroes of scripture. For example, if we believe that human beings each individually are of infinite value, then what we will end up doing is, for one thing, we will refuse to let go of relationships even with horribly abusive people. Why? Because if they are horribly abusive, we may at least see, and quite accurately, that they are given to a great deal of evil. But that is all the more incentive to emphasize trying to save their souls. Now, I say it with that rather demeaning tone simply because I see more people simply ruin themselves upon the backs of people who refuse to change than I do see people changing. The people who change already have a little modicum of will to change within them, identified by good people and fostered and grown. Those who are simply being used by abusive people because they must be saved, these horrible evil people or people given to evil must be rescued, simply continue being used. Indeed, those manipulative and abusive people may choose to at least ape as if they choose Christ and they choose their own redemption, but only as a means to continue using the Christians who are buying it. Now, if we look at Christ, as I've said many times in the past in this podcast, he did not accept any relationship that was potentially abusive. The scholars and Pharisees and Sadducees who called him names, who said he was using the power of Beelzebub, etc., etc., he didn't give them the time of day. He gave them the time of day, if, if at all, only to prove them wrong, only to demean, <laughs> to insult them back, and to show them how their arguments were repulsive, and dumb and wrong and then he walked away he did not give them the time of his relationship he did not give him his personal time and also we have such results as women still very much like in the days of old in the days of the bible which we read wanting so desperately to have children when they're having trouble conceiving that they may invite a great deal of stress and anxiety they might even invite practices that other Christians consider abhorrent, such as messing with embryos, simply because they desire so much to bring a human being into this world. Now, of course, that's not to lower or diminish the womanly desire to be a mother and to bear children. That's something natural and good in and of itself. But if it's further aggravated, increased to an insane extent, by this idea that they are bearing one of infinite value if they can have a child, then it merely raises that stress even higher, again, to an insane and, I believe, irrational level. But if we accept 
in humility that God knows our value, then I think we can acknowledge that God does, in fact, have the right to do what he wishes with human lives. He knows it's true. He knows our true value. He knows what he can do. He is the judge, and he is the judge particularly of the next life. If people die willy-nilly, he sends them to where they belong. We do not know exactly how God is going to deal with each individual case, somebody dying at the age of two to a natural disaster or some disease, as opposed to somebody who lives into their 80s. He is the judge, and he is the one who knows our true value. Jesus, if anything, gave us a very vague hint. If we were to say on our level, what is the value of human life? Biblically speaking, my answer would be, we have no idea. All we really can say is that we're more valuable than a small, or than a decent group of doves or birds, rather, that are meant for slaughter and sacrifice. See, I would err on the side merely of caution. I would err on the side of skepticism. The value of human life is we know not what. And in fact, I would stress that we have no right to try to put a value on human life. God never was gave us privy to be told. He never let us know exactly how much we are worth. He, he merely told us we're slightly more valuable than a few birds. By that token, we know that God has the right to determine how we will be used, how we may live or die, etc., etc. We don't. And that is why I agree with the move to end things like abortion, abortion and messing around with human embryos. We don't have the right either to mess with human life in the way we wish, because we're not God, nor do we have the right to say what human value is, because we're not God. And I think that's a good place to close. That's all I had for today. Until next time.